is not a song. Worship is not a lyric. Worship is not music. Worship is, is a product of the heart where we're really admiring and awe of God. And that's worship. So, so you don't need a band to worship. You don't need a, a song on a screen or a guitar to worship. We just need to have a heart after God. Amen? So, so we just talked to them about what you see up here is just a, it's an overflow of what you've already cultivated in your heart, worshiping God because of who He is, right? We praise Him for what He does, but we worship Him for who He is, right? Amen? So God's will is who He is. God's will is, is, is what He's called, His titles, His names. If, if He's called Healer, right? Jehovah Rapha, if He's Healer, what's His will? To heal. If, his, if he's called Savior, what's his will? To save. We're going to just get them to shut that door. It's hard to compete with that, isn't it? Hey, John, could you shut the door? Or bring the party in here? <laughs> They're awesome, aren't they? Hey, but So anyway, that's, that's who Jesus is. And, and I've just been captivated um, the last couple weeks, few weeks, couple months, um, of just really knowing Jesus on, on a new level. And, you know, it's... It's really easy to, to complicate the gospel, isn't it? It's easy to complicate the gospel, and it's easy to, to complicate the processes and the systems that Jesus works in. It's easy to complicate and become problem-focused rather than solution-focused. And, and so we started up a series just based on kind of where, where my heart's at and where I feel like the church needs to go and, and where some of the church and the American and the Western culture, what we've lost is the simplicity and the amazement of Jesus. So complicated to create the entire universe and galaxy, but so simple that he can reach the littlest baby or the most high-level genius. That's the simplicity of Jesus, and he, and he made it very simple for us, and he taught in parables, he taught in stories, he, he taught in things to put it in our terms to wherever we're at, right? If you need milk, he's going to feed it to you in milk, but if you're ready for the meal, for the steak dinner, he's going to feed it to you in a steak platter, Right? Jesus is going to reach you right where you're at. And, and that's just, I've just had a heart about like not overcomplicating things and not, not getting to the point and the place of just trying to do things on my own, trying to come up with a program, trying to come up with a process, trying to come up with, with a ministry or, or a strategy or, or whatever. And I believe like there should be a plan and strategy, but I believe it should be from heaven. And, and that's one of the things we talked about this morning. If your practice doesn't look like heaven, if our if worship doesn't look like heaven, then we need to figure something out. Because this should resemble heaven. Our, our lives should be re resemble heaven. And I love, uh, Todd White made a statement once. He said, Jesus didn't die on a cross just so you could make it to heaven. He died on a cross so also heaven could get into you. It's not just about us getting into heaven. It's also about us getting heaven into us so we can reveal the goodness of God. The Bible says this. It says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Yes. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So, so what, we're, what we're talking about here is leading people to an encounter that produces a transformation in their life. And, and we were in some great conversation uh, recently. And, and, you know, we are so hungry for the word. And, and we, we love the Word of God, and it is infallible, and, and, and it, it is the absolute truth. How many believe that? How many believe this is the absolute truth? It's non-negotiable. It's, it's an infallible Word of God that was written by God. He is the author. How many believe that? Yeah. Well, here's the dilemma, though. We have a culture around us that doesn't believe that. We have a culture around us that says that there's some gray areas in this. We have a culture around us that actually says, thank you so much. Let's all give Jordan a hand. It's so awesome. 
Our culture doesn't, they just believe this is information, not revelation. I'm not saying everybody, I'm saying in general, a big portion. Because some of the things that were coming in, in, in the play here is, is that they've met a Christian that didn't represent this or the author very well. Come on. So, so everything we're doing here, when we have worship service, we lead into an encounter that leads to transformation that actually makes this a revelation. Okay, so, so, but the two together is what makes the perfect combo. You, you shouldn't really have one without the other. There's, there's word churches that focus only on the word, scripture memorization, and that's awesome. And I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong. We will see them in heaven, right? And then there's churches that's only spirit. You see all these healings and all people running around the church. And that's awesome. That's great. We'll see them in heaven too, right? But it's our heart to actually merge both. Because one is complementing the other. So when we lead people to an encounter, we lead them into to, to a tangible experience with God. Now, all of a sudden, this comes to life. All of a sudden, this births something in me that is hunger birth from the encounter that I had from an experience. So now it's not just about the information. It's about a transformation. And that's what Jesus' intention is, is on earth. His, his intention is not just so you can feel good in church. Not just that you can feel good at home. It's not a, it's not a feel good message. The cross didn't feel good. You're like, but Aaron, you've said God is good and in a good mood and only does good things. Truth. Truth. But do we still endure hardships? Yes, we do. Life is not perfect. There's, there's a natural side of things. But, but what's cool is when we, when we begin to merge the natural and the supernatural, but there's not a line of demarcation, now suddenly there's not a dip in church and I'm this way on Sunday and Monday morning comes, slaps me in the face and I don't want to get out of bed and I hate people again. There's not a line there. So where the natural actually becomes supernatural, the supernatural actually becomes natural. Listen, you can't explain the supernatural, super above natural reasoning. I can't explain out how I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can't explain how that person fell out in the Holy Spirit and was jacked up for hours and never the same from that moment forth in their life. I can't explain how that person has seen every doctor on the planet and they can't do anything. But in a worship service here, a tumor dissolves in two seconds from the laying on of hands. I can't explain that except to say it was in the Bible. Jesus did it. We're to be like Christ, so it should be for today. I'm totally on a tangent right now just because I'm kind of passionate about this right now. But I, I'm just saying, if you're here today, you're here and you're experiencing like maybe you've never experienced the spirit side of service and worship to go 50 minutes of just yelling, dancing, and praising God. Maybe that's uncomfortable for you. It was probably pretty uncomfortable for people to watch David dance out of his clothes, though. Awkward. Right? Or the enemy to be so confused when Gideon's up on a mountain, clanging things, shining lights, and all of a sudden we're turning on each other and Gideon wins the battle through praise and worship. Right? So the cross has a purpose. So we started with week one for commissioning. And we, we blessed each other's feet, and through life groups that week, we actually washed feet, okay? We're bringing back some of the old, all right? How many are okay with that? It's, I, I think we cannot forget our, our heritage. I think there's things that, that we've overlooked in our society, and I think that God has just put something in me not to forsake my forefathers. 
not, not, to, not to forsake the things that's been set before us. If, if we forget about history, we're going to repeat it. And there's things that was cultivated. There's things that were in my grandpa's life, that were in my dad's life, that I can't take for granted and forget and neglect just because they paid a price. Or else I'm going to end up like a Saul and have to figure some things out because I lost the heart of worship trying to pursue prosperity. David set a precedence, and David set a culture of worship. He was a man after God's own heart. Saul was given the most wisdom ever on the planet, and then he forgot the part of the worship and had to figure some things out. Yes. Right? Dayton, I don't think, will be where it is today if the second and third generations down from those pioneers of entrepreneurship, innovation, creativity, running businesses, prosperity, if the sons and the grandsons of those forefathers had have carried that out and, and created and went with the momentum that was set before them, I think the economy of Dayton would be a little different right now. The school system might look a little different. Empty buildings might look a little different in Dayton. We can't forget where we came from. We can't forget what the price that our fathers paid. So we're bringing some respect. So week one was, that was a long explanation of foot washing. But wherever our feet go, we have authority over. That was week one, the commission. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And wherever our feet go, we have authority over he says, Satan will crush the enemy under your feet. Wherever we go, feet were made for walking. I, I should have said that like week one. These boots were made for walking. Right? That's what they were made for, the feet, the sandals of peace. So wherever we go, we create peace. We, we have authority over. Week two, last week was communion. We did communion as a body. So after service today, I just want you to put your family pictures up on the altar for two things. First off, we talked about community and actually owning it. Actually, if we're going to be a part of Upper Room, it shouldn't fall on one person. I don't want it to all fall on me. I don't want cookie-cutter errands running around the place acting like me. It's hard enough for me to handle me. I can't handle more than one of me. Okay? Sometimes I look at my daughters and I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> Chloe is so much like me. And I'm like, really? It's a good thing in most parts. But I, that's not our agenda. But as a family, as, as community, as unity... As a family, listen, the, the, the Bible, God began with family. He's going to end with family. Amen. In the beginning was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in the end will be the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. So community. So, so over the next couple weeks, and, and especially today, we had done a one call now. And Ashley, just bring your family pictures. If you want to be a part of this place, and you want to own it, and you want to be a member here, and you want to, you want to just put your stake in this claim, then put a, bring a family picture. We're going to have a family picture board. And these are the family. We're going to do this together. We're going to change this city. We're going to change this region. We're going to change this state. God's good. We're going to reveal His goodness as He brings men to repentance, right? And, and I believe chains are going to fall off. Sin's going to fall off. Things and depression and oppression are going to fall off just at the very mention of His name. We already have a good reputation as community, as a church, but I'm ready to pastor a region. I'm ready for a city, for you to pastor your neighborhood, for you to pastor your household. The Bible said like there was such great transformation that when, when, there, when somebody got saved, it was whole house salvation. Where's the power of that these days? Where's the power that you get so radically changed, so radically saved that you look different, your name changes, and you can actually have whole house salvation? That's the kingdom of God. 
I was radically saved. I was radically changed. People cannot even believe the man I am now compared to what I was eight years ago. Radically salvation. So today we're just focusing, just, we're focusing on the cross. The cross. And, and I'm not going to, I mean, most of us probably know the, the, the crucifixion and know what Jesus endured. But I want to highlight it in case you don't. We can't assume you do. And then afterwards, we had some amazing times in the last 11 weeks with fire starters. Amen. If you were a fire starter in that class for the last 11 weeks of any time, could you just stand if you showed up at that class? Just stand. Let's give them a hand for their sacrifice. Come on. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so at the end of, of, of preaching here, I'm going to just talk about the cross and, and just go into just a little bit on that and, and how it wasn't free. It's not free. Salvation was not free. It wasn't pretty. All right? We, we want a pretty church and pretty people in our church and, and pretty offerings. But the cross was not, any part of the cross was pretty. It wasn't, it wasn't a matter of being a relevant church or a seeker sensitive or a seeker friendly or this or that or, or whatever label church we want to make us. It was about divinity coming to earth. God, as a man, coming to earth, fully God, fully man, and paying a price for you and I. Paying a price so that you and I can live forever. We can live in eternity. No matter what we've done and how long we've been there, Jesus paid a price for it, and no part of it was pretty. So there was something going on, that, and, and God just gave me this visual last night, and then I'll, I'll release a few scriptures here and talk about that. So last night I'm thinking, you know, what's the significance about the cross? Like, like literally, the physical significance of, of how it was shaped and, and what it looked like. and could have been a tree. You know, there's a lot of different um, information on that. Let's just go with the standard, what we picture as the cross. So, so as, we, as we picture that cross, I'm thinking God had to come because things were out of alignment. Jesus had to come to earth because there was things out of alignment. So what he was doing was getting things in perfect alignment. So when Jesus was, was pinned up on that cross, there was a vertical beam that was holding him. It was a foundation connecting the alignment from the children to the Father. So there's the upright post of aligning us to the love of the Father and to the connecting because that had been gapped. There was a gap there and sin had separated us from the Father. Right? So that's the foundation. So we have this upright post where Jesus' feet were pinned to and, and where his head rested and where the crown of thorns was resting in that position of upright because the foundation is in the the. the biggest principle of the cross was aligning us and connecting us back to the Father, a vertical alignment. Okay, are you following me? Yeah. Then it had a cross beam where each of his hands were nailed to. So I'm thinking, well, what was that for, God? And he says, it was for the alignment on earth. It was for the alignment of you and I to become family, to become the bride. It was to become the bride as, as he's connecting us vertically and aligning us to the Father. Now he's aligning us with each other, covered all in a family by the same blood with a name change named Jesus. Yes. So all of a sudden, you know, when you get married and you, and you say yes to your bride or your groom, there's things that take place there. There's symbolism. The ring represents the covenant and it's an eternal surface that doesn't end. And you know, that would be maybe like baptism. It, it represents the covenant that you've made in your heart. Okay, but then all of a sudden you have a name change. Yes. When Nicole was a pal and she took on my name, she became a Simmons. Yep. 
So as God's connecting the bride, he's saying, I'm not just doing this. I don't want you to be a fiance or a girlfriend. I want you to be my bride. And I will take all the blemish and I will, I will take all the stains of your mess and I will wear that so that you can be a perfect, blameless, pure bride. And your name becomes my name. He's, he's covered us and he joins us in unity as a family under the name of Jesus. Yes. There's no other name. So I just want to read a few scriptures here. Let's start in Luke 23. Luke 23. Are you with me? Yes. It's going to be quick. It's going to be real quick. There is something special about the cross. But we can't worship the cross. We worship who was on the cross. Jesus is no longer on a cross. He's no longer on a crucifix. He is alive and he is well. Amen. I'm not slamming anybody. I'm just saying we cannot continue to picture Jesus on a cross when that's not where he's resting now. That's not where he's alive now. He is not in a position on a cross anymore. He conquered death, hell, the grave, and the cross. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He conquered it. He is no longer on the cross. I love the tag of Jake Hamilton. I just felt it was fitting today. He's no longer a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on the cross. He didn't stay in the grave, and he's not staying in heaven forever. Jesus is returning for his bride. He's returning for his bride. He's returning for you and I. And he's returning, and it should not be a fear when we're justified in alignment with the Father. It should be a hope and a good thing. Right? Come on. So, Luke 23, and uh, just starting on verse 26. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. I want to stop there just for a moment. I want to, I want to go to another verse, and it is in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Okay, so we'll get back to, to Luke in a moment, but keep your finger there. Let's go to, to Hebrews 12. Starting at verse 1. Actually, let's, let's do Luke 9, 23. We'll get back to Hebrews too, so keep your finger there as well. So Luke 9, 23 says this. Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower... You must turn from your selfish ways. One verse says, turn from your wicked ways. Take up your cross daily. Everybody say daily. daily. And follow me. So, so we're going to get back to this about what it looks like to take up our cross and what that result of the cross is in our life. Okay? So then it says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but yourself, uh, you you're lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father of the holy angels. I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will, will not die before they see the kingdom of God. I like that part, but that's another message. So here he's saying, if anybody you want to follow me, if you want to be a disciple of me, you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Three very plain instructions. Deny your wicked ways. Deny yourself. How many remember where Paul talks about Hebrews 7 and 8? 
chapter 7 and 8, and he says, there's a battle of the spirit and flesh. My spirit's willing, but my flesh is weak. How many, how many know there's a battle there? But how many know that Jesus' flesh, broken on earth, paid the price so that we don't have to struggle with that anymore? When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying yes to heaven. We're saying yes that Jesus has to offer. Right? It doesn't mean we won't have temptation. Jesus himself was tempted. Right? So it doesn't mean that, but he gives us the strength to endure. When we say yes to Jesus, we are taking on the namesake and the qualities of him and to be like him. Okay? So it doesn't replace him. It's just saying, the Bible says that greater works that we can do than he did because he goes to the Father on our behalf. So he's telling us to do the works that Jesus did on earth. As a matter of fact, we'll do more. But there comes a thing. So I want to get to the thing that the cross was not cheap. It wasn't free. Salvation came with a price. It came with a price for you and I. It came with a price that Jesus, and I'm just going to fast forward through the crucifixion here. Okay, if you don't know, you need to read that. You need to see what your father paid for you to have eternal life. The best picture that I've ever seen of it is the passion of the Christ. What an amazing depiction of what I would picture, way beyond what I would even picture. But the Bible goes a step further. In the movie, you couldn't even do this with makeup. It says that he was undistinguishable between an animal and man. You couldn't make out the difference. He was beaten and so brutally that you couldn't differ him from an animal to a man. You couldn't even tell he was a human being. He paid the price for you and I. Christianity is not always pretty. But it's good. It's amazing. God is good. He loves you all the time. Nothing can separate you from His love. But there was this one thing separating us from the goodness of the Father. It was sin. There was chaos. There was pandemonium happening on earth. Jesus came. God loved us so much. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten who? Son. To die for us. Whoever believes in Him will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. So we deny our wicked ways. We pick up our cross. Why would we need to pick up our cross if He picked it up? Why does Simon need to carry the cross? It's our way of serving. It's our way of paying it forward. It's our way. But here's where I want to focus on right there. And then follow him. Isn't it easy to follow the creator of the universe when you've experienced him? If we've never experienced him, it makes it very difficult to follow God. But when we experience his good nature, when we experience the goodness, when we experience the encounter, it makes it really, really, really easy to follow him. No matter the cost. So when I'm saying cost, I'm not saying this is works. We've got to distinguish there. It's not by works that you're saved, but by faith through what? Grace. It's by grace through faith, all right? So it's grace and faith. It's not works. So when I say it comes with a cost, I'm saying if I want a revival to happen, it comes with a sacrifice for a revival lifestyle. If I want to be the best drummer on the planet, it doesn't come free. It comes with a price and an investment that I actually have to get on those drums, throw some sticks in my hand, and actually put some time in there. Okay? That's not works. That's not performance. If I want this, God says he withholds nothing for those who seek him. He's withholding nothing back. And it says earnestly seek all the gifts. So he's withholding nothing for those who seek him. 
So, so here I want to focus on the cross, picking up our cross. Go to Hebrews 12. I'm just about closing here. Matter of fact, the band can come up. That puts a little pressure on me. Sometimes it takes them a few minutes to get situated anyway. So, here we are. Hebrews 12. This is the point of the message today. Here was the cross. It says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. If he's saying we need endurance to run the race, do you think he'll give it to us? Yes. Says his grace is sufficient for all needs. So if, he, if there's a trial that I'm going from, it's not birthed from God, it's from the enemy. Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. The beginning of that says who comes? Who? The enemy comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. But who? Jesus came to give life and life abundantly. So, so if it's not life-giving, it's not from God. Death is not from God. Depression is not from God. Cancer is not from God. If it doesn't exist in heaven, it's not from God. It's not from God. But if we happen to have to go through that, endure it, will God not give us what we desire, what we need to get through it? And in every story of the Bible, when anybody endured something or had to go through something, they had to go through the junk. Did they not come out better than before they ever went through it? Was Job not restored twice as much as he ever had? Everything, when they rebuilt the temple, was it not better than it ever was before? Everything that, that, that we go through and every trial we go through, the Bible says count it joy. Because we know that everything that we go through, God's going to bring it through better. There's junk that we've had to go through. I remember being flat broke with my wife. Like we were just totally broke. The first couple of years of our marriage, just broke. Broke as a monkey. I mean, just, just broke. And it's like, you know, we just stewarded the little bit that we had and we had fun with it. You know, we just had fun. We didn't overspend things we didn't have. We didn't, and then all of a sudden it's like, my buddy calls me and he's like, hey, I got this house, and I just want to sell it for what I paid for it 12 years ago. Just, just whatever my payment, whatever my loan is at that time, could you just, could you, would you just want to take it over? It's a rental now, but their lease ends in three months. I just can't take care of it anymore. And we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, I think we can hang with that. So we were living in a duplex, and we, I owned the thing. So, so it's like, man, I don't want to be a landlord. I tried to rent it in like three months of being a landlord or three weeks of trying to rent a place was enough for me. I'm like, yep, not cut out to be a landlord. Done. So we sold it. God provided that provision. All of a sudden, we're paying less living in half of the duplex I even own for a whole house. We remodel it, and we make $35,000 three years later. Sold it one month before the real, the, the real estate market tanked. Sold just boom. And then all of a sudden, it tanks. So then as we're building our house, we get materials cheaper than they've ever been. And the bank rates lower than it's ever been. And then all of a sudden we can build our dream home because we stewarded well with the little. It wasn't pleasant. It wasn't good. We were, we were broke as a joke. We owed people money. We just were like, but we had each other. Now that part wasn't the greatest because I wasn't saved. 
Okay, but what I'm saying is God saw the provision that we needed then. He provided everything we've ever needed. You're here today. You're not, you're not in lack when you have heaven's economy. You're not in lack when you have heaven's resources. When you have his grace that's more sufficient, he doesn't withhold. And his interest rates are good. It's a good return on an investment there. So Hebrews 12, going on. I, I got tied up there. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Where do we keep our eyes? We keep our eyes on Jesus. I hate fixing my eyes on people. That's a long road. That's a hard treadmill. That just keeps going and going, and then all of a sudden the incline keeps happening. I love fixing my eyes on Jesus. The Bible says, let God arise and the enemies be scattered. I fix my eyes on Jesus. I let him take care of the rest. That's good advice. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him. Now here's where we're at. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Disregarding the price. So what was the joy set before him? Me. And you. 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 you were the joy set before him. As he looks down, he's spread out on the cross. And he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they've done. They've spit on him. They've mocked him. They've beat him. They've pinned him up to a cross. Brutally, just totally did everything you can imagine, just like we recapped over the last couple weeks. But he's sitting there saying, I forgive them. Forgive them, Father. But they know not what they've done. Listen, if Jesus can live an unoffendable life because of what he just endured, we can live an unoffendable life because of the joy set before us. So whose cross are you carrying? We carry Jesus' cross, but what's it for? For the joy set before us. It is a joy set before us that we carry a cross because it is a joy serving God. It is a joy loving on His people. It's a joy not getting tied up and tangled up in everything and everybody's business. It's a joy to see people with Jesus goggles. We focus on Jesus. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts. That's pretty cool because I don't want to have to convict people. But He does a really good job of it. He's in love with you. But there's a purpose for the cross. It's the joy set before him. Because he knew when he paid that price, you didn't have to. All you have to do is say yes. Listen, if you're in this room today and you've never said yes, if you're in this room today and maybe you've even slipped back some old ways or some old habits, and listen, we can mistake freedom for, for, for rebellion really easy. There's things that we dabble in because now we're free and, and grace has saved us. And now we start to dabble in the things of our past. Some of us honestly can't handle it. Because we may not be as free as we thought we were. But maybe some of us have slipped back, or maybe some of us were still, were still struggling. It feels like that uphill battle. I'm telling you what right now, Jesus paid an ugly price for our ugly mess. He paid a price that was not pretty, that was not without sacrifice. So that you and I can live in eternity, in purity, in a blameless form, made in His creation. We're to be the image of Christ, creating in His image. What are we revealing? If we're creating His image, we're a reflection of Jesus when He's in us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. What reflection of Jesus are we putting off? 
Is it a good reflection? Is it an angry God? Is it a fear-driven thing? Is it turn or burn? Or, or, or what is it? What are we putting off? Is it this high stress, high thing, perform? Listen, there's a difference. There's a difference between, between living from grace because of love and we want to please the Father and living out of performance. I want to live from God, not because I have to please Him and live for Him. But we do both. But He's so in me and so I'm so full. Right? So full. Here's, here's what I want to do. I just want to offer a time like of just like you, just encountering Jesus. And just I think we need to just reflect on what the cross was. And and, and just enough said. The cross is powerful. There's power in the name of Jesus. The cross was with a purpose. And the cross was with a price. But he's asking us to pick up our cross and follow him. He's asking us to do that. It's not cheap. It's not free. It's not hard. It's not difficult. But it is not free. Salvation is free. Gifts are free. Right? Hopefully I'm not being like really confusing. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, we don't have to perform and work to earn God's grace. But when we experience the true salvation of God, the true grace of God, the true encounter of God, it's no longer work or performance. Now we want to. We get to. Get to. So when I say work or, or, or it's not free, what I'm saying is, listen, when I became a Christian at work, I took some flack. But every minute is worth it. When I start to compare what I've gone through compared to what Jesus went through through his crucifixion, yeah, yeah, that kind of puts that word persecution in its place. I've not been persecuted for Christ. Not when you put it into terms. Just, just let me, let me, let me give one more example. Let me give one more example. Lave, Lave is just, he, he, he preaches this message on leaning back and rest and going from a place of peace. And I totally agree with that. And I totally believe when we go, we go from a place of peace. And when we go, we go from a place of rest and we need to know when to lean back, but we also need to know when to lean forward. So Leif right now is in Pakistan, the darkest place in the world, telling people about Jesus and meeting with Christian leaders to, to organize and figure out how to reach the people of, of the Middle East for Jesus. So, yeah, does that come with a price? Yeah, every time he leaves, he says bye to his family forever. Because it's a very good chance he may never return. He's had machine guns to his head. He's, he's, he's had knives to his head, on his knees, to his throat. It comes with a price. We say we want revival. We say we want these things. We say we want our whole house to be saved. But what is it worth to us? Are we going to get on our knees and actually go to battle for these people? God's already won the battle. He just needs us to step out on faith and say yes. <clears throat> So, so here's, here's the deal. The cross came with purpose. He paid it so you don't have to. So right now, I just we're going to call for the fire starters up here. and just They're going to call it words of knowledge for healing and stuff. But I, I just say this. We say it all the time. Just, just give me one minute. 
One minute, fire starters. Just one moment. The greatest miracle of all time, and that will ever be, is Jesus coming to earth, dying the way he died, placed on a cross, and rising again, beating, conquering death, hell, and the grave, and raising, ascending into the heavens, sitting with the Father, and for you and I to have eternal life. But I don't want to diminish that a little bit. That's the greatest miracle of all time. It's why we're here. It's why we have a church. It's why we're in ministry. It's because Jesus paid the price so you and I don't have to. Let's make that very clear. I love the signs and the wonders. I love the miracles. I love the Holy Spirit and, and the baptism and the manifestations and the giftings. And next week, you know, we're going to have a party here and, and focus on that and the resurrection. But the greatest miracle of all time, we could, I've seen tumors dissolve. I've seen six dead people raised from the dead. I've seen wheelchair, people in wheelchairs walk. I've seen several blind eyes, total blindness healed. I've seen deaf ears that couldn't hear a lick healed. I've seen now into the thousands of miracles in the last eight years. All over the world. I've seen this and it's awesome. It's, it's incredible and I love it. But the greatest miracle of all time is salvation. The greatest miracle. Those work to confirm this. Those work and have purpose to confirm the living God. That he's still alive. He's still well. And he's still powerful. And he's still a miracle worker. But he is still a savior. He is still a savior. So I want to make it very clear. Because sometimes I think we see a lot of this hype in here. We see tons of miracles. And we'll see 30, 40 miracles on a Sunday. The greatest miracle ever that will ever be is Jesus it's the greatest miracle so right now this is this is your call this is this is your time to shine for the father he wants you he created a plan to have a relationship with you directly you don't have to go to a high priest or wait for the day of atonement or, or go to somebody else he loves you and he wants a direct relationship listen when Jesus died and he breathed his last breath. All of a sudden, the earth shook. Rocks were turned and cracked. And all of a sudden, from heaven, a veil was torn in two. The veil represented a barrier that only on the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament that the high priest could go on your behalf to the Father. Listen, that veil, that was the curtain, that was the veil in the, in the holiest of holies. All of a sudden... Jesus died on the cross and it was torn in two for you to have an all-access pass to the Father, to the Creator, to the Savior, to the Healer, to the Redeemer. In Life Group this week, we studied 930 titles and roles were in the Bible for God. 930 purposes of God. And every one of them you have an all-access pass to because the veil was ripped in half. And you don't need me to get you there. You don't need your life group leader to get you there. It's time we put our foot to the ground and carry up our cross and say, I can do this. Yes. I'm going to get on a tangent just for a second here. We get your kids for a half hour maybe on Sundays. I minister to you for maybe 40 minutes on a Sunday. We might reach you in a life group or, or whatever you decide you want to be involved in community with and invest in. But here's the reality. We can't reach your kids the way you can reach them. We can't teach the Bible to your kids the way you can teach it to them. 
something rests on us I'm just going to be real for a minute. I can't spoon feed each of you for what each and every one of you want for your opinion of what a church should look like. Something rests on you carrying up your cross and following Jesus. For the joy that's set before you, not me, this pressure's not on me. Our teachers don't wear the pressure. We want to reveal you into a good relationship with God. We want to create a hunger. I want to stir something in you. But there's something that comes when God wakes you up at 3 in the morning to get down on your knees and actually get on your face and have relationship with Him. We shouldn't have to beg people to serve in the church. We shouldn't have to beg you to read your Bible. We shouldn't have to beg you to pray. Listen, it's the joy set before you. He is your joy. Focus your eyes on Jesus, the champion. Come on. <laughs> so good. You're like, ouch. And I'm like, finally. It was more for me just now than you. I wear this burden that every one of you should be serving and every one of you should be down on your face and every one of you should be revealing the good works of the Lord. But I'm going to be honest with you. I threw that pressure away a long time ago. Not to worry about what I see on your social media. There's something that comes inside of you when you encounter the living God and there's something that's birthed inside of you that you got to answer to God. I'm held accountable for some things over you and, and, and if you're over a ministry, that's on you. There's no doubt about it. But the reality is this. You're going to be up on Judgment Day facing the Father. Not me on your behalf. The veil was torn for two reasons. So you can have access and relationship with Him and so the responsibility doesn't fall on me. I'm just, I'm just being real. We got these churches around thinking they control everybody and, and they think for people and they, they, they dictate everything. That's not my style. And it shouldn't have to be. All right, I think now I'm getting to the point of venting, so I'm done. <laughs> Listen, I want, I want you to have a relationship with Jesus because it's been so good and real to me. But there comes something when we're carrying that cross. Listen, there, come, there is a seriousness about this. There, I'm going longer than I usually go because I feel I need to right now. There comes a seriousness that if my kids aren't serving God, I'm going to God on their behalf. That's the power of intercession. Come on. There comes a point in time where my co-workers and I'm not experiencing whole employment salvation or whole house salvation or whole his city salvation. Some of that rests on me and that's the cross I'm carrying for the joy set before me. What would a city look like who all said yes to Jesus? Come on. What would Tip City look like if 100% of the citizens were serving God? Yes. I didn't say all in this church. I said serving God. This, this is a building. This is the vehicle. God's the driver. They don't all have to be here. They just, they just need to be serving God. There's something that rests on us. And the cross, he endured the cross for the joy set before him. You're his joy. He's our joy. So I just want you to bow your heads. Just... I told you we're going back to some old things here. Bow your heads, close your eyes. No, you don't have to close your eyes. 
I like to see Jesus. I like to see his people, but whatever. And I just, I just want to acknowledge the cross for a moment. I just want to acknowledge what Jesus has done for us, for you and I. And I just, I think it's fitting that you just kind of picture the brutality he endured. The nail pierced hands, the nail pierced ankles or feet. The nails, the crown of thorns. The crown of thorns. God, we just thank you for the cross. We thank you. We just thank you, God. We thank you. For our mess, for our sin, God. For our mistakes, for our choices, God. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. And just take a moment to acknowledge that. Just thank him in your own way. Just thank him. Right now, if you don't know him in this way, if you don't know him as Savior, if there's sin that's entangled you, he is freeing you right now. He is freeing you right now. Come on. It's time we pick up the cross. We just follow him. Listen, I just feel a call to open up this altar right now. If this is for you, if you just want some intimate time with Him, listen, we, I, it's open, just come. Just come. If you just want some intimacy with God, it's time we, if you're willing to pick up your cross and follow Him, take the step and carry the cross and come. Just come. You don't have to not be saved to come. It's just time we say yes. It's time we say we're going to pick up the cross and follow Him daily. We're going to pray without ceasing. We're going to own it. Come on, Jesus. God, we know things aren't perfect in our life. We know things that we've made mistakes on, choices we've made. This is for me, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you're a restorer, that you're a deliverer. We thank you that you're a savior, God, that you're Messiah. We thank you. We thank you for paying the price. We thank you for your sacrifice, God. We thank you for enduring it, for the joy set before you, God. Oh, 